we, we barely even talked about the implications or just sort of the overall feeling of actually tying as, as opposed to winning or losing the game. I, I, I definitely, I think it seems pretty clear all the players felt that this landed somewhere closer to loss than win. Yeah. Do you feel like I'm cheating on the broadcast when I do a solo uh, bumper? I- my only question would be, did you put out a bumper in between the time the game ended and the time we recorded the podcast? Welcome in to Burgundy Blogcast, the official blogcast of Burgundy Blog with the man behind Burgundy Blog, Brent, and me, Hayes from Sports Channel 8. We have some exciting news to bring you later in this broadcast, but right now we got to get Brent's one word to describe today's tie against the Cincinnati <laughs> Bengals in London, England. Brent, what word in your massive vocabulary do you pull to describe this strange occurrence? I'm going to go with preposterous. Preposterous. In many different ways it is, and we will let you explain, but I want to say that this broadcast is brought to you by SeatGeek. The smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the football games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being in the stadium for the biggest plays of the year. With SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the guaranteed seats you want for a great value. Preposterous. Elaborate on that for me, Brent. Uh, The game was just absurd. I mean, I think the main thing that makes me say that is... As I was watching, as it as it kind of moved through the fourth quarter and then through the the entirety of the overtime period, the um, you know not not just the number of lead changes because there were a couple, but uh, just you know the, the the number of times where the obvious outcome just did not come to fruition and. Um, the the coolest thing that I've I've of all the stuff I've already like read and watched in the in the wake of this bizarre game was the um the little graph uh on the ESPN app uh, uh reflecting like real time probability of of either winner you know uh, over the course of the game I'm sure you've seen those yep. and I tweeted I tweeted an image and put it on my blog but. I mean, it's one of the weirdest I've seen because each team has like four discrete spikes in the second half, where where they where where you know each one was eighty percent or better to win, including obviously as the Redskins set up for that chip shot field goal at the end of overtime, uh, ninety five or ninety six percent win chance for the Redskins, and then the thing just plops down and sits on fifty percent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so it's just a ridiculous game. It was a it was a crazy, absurd, preposterous game. And the fact that it took place in London, England, makes it sort of all the more absurd. Exactly. We had talked before. It's always kind of funny how we had referred to this game as like ah, anything could happen. It's sort of a toss up. You know, it's over in London, so who knows? But it did sort of feel like a real legit game. Like you were getting sort of the best out of both teams. Uh, we'll talk about more of that. Some, I want to skip right to the end and I don't know where this affected the win probability. I was wholly disgusted, very disappointed with the Redskins coaching staff decision to allow it to come to a kick when it didn't need it to. Mm -hmm. Maybe they don't watch. Maybe I'm biased, 
by all the football I watch. I'm certainly biased that I watch college games as well as NFL games. And I'm I'm definitely biased that I watch more NC State athletics than the average sports fan. <laughs> so I've seen a number of games just been blown on. Oh well, they'll definitely make this, you know, type kicks. But even in NFL world, we had a game this week. Yeah. Two teams, you know, played it safe because the the notion that the thought was, well, a kicker inside forty at NFL is about as safe as bet as you're going to get. And I guess the only side against going for it is the fumble mm-hmm. or the, the interception. But golly, as much as we talk about Cousins throwing some some you know bad interceptions, you got to have a little more faith in your guys to go for it. I'll stop talking and let you talk about it. But I thought that was a terrible decision, and and I thought it cost them a win. What did you think about the decision to not push it more for it at the uh, at the end there with the touchdown? It's a great discussion to have. I don't think. Um... I mean, I think the convention pretty clearly among coaches historically and recently is to do what Gruden did. Um, but I don't think it's, you know, I don't know. I guess I'd have to see some sort of big um, data analysis in terms of, you know, the risk of running another couple of plays there. You mentioned definitely the the, the biggest reasons not to try and go ahead and punch it in would be fumble interception, you know, in other words, a turnover. But there's another one that happens, and indeed in this very game it almost prevented you know what what they were trying to do, which is a which is a penalty, for example, a hold, and yeah. you can get that thing pushed back, and it happened. They had a, a hold called on them, pushed them back into what still would have been within Hopkins's range, but it would have been you know I think I think it was going to be pushing fifty if it hadn't been for the sixteen yard run that Rob Kelly ripped off before they did end up. Um, sending Hopkins out so uh you know a a holding penalty an illegal formation stuff like that that is not an an unusual occurrence and so the threat of lengthening the field goal exists I I don't know man I mean obviously following this one it makes you think well geez I wish they had done it the other way um I I think you know I don't know what I don't know where they get the numbers on this little win predictor thing that I was just referencing but you know if 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 indeed the odds of winning at that point were 95 or 96 percent, I mean there aren't too many situations that I can think of in professional football. I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure you could really best that. And there's just there is a, enough bad that could happen by trying to run that play. And, and I get that a field goal itself, as you know, for the reasons you just explained, certainly no guarantee, even a short one. I mean, you can have a bad snap, bad hold, yada yada. And they said in this one, Gruden did, and Hopkins said. Uh, that the whole, quote, operation wasn't really as smooth as usual. Now, I'm not sure who exactly is to blame because it didn't look egregious in watching. But um, And, of course, you know, he made the first one when Lewis iced him um, and then missed the second. So I don't know, man. I mean, personally, I don't have any problem with it. I, I think I probably would have done what he did. Oh, they, used a, they used a play to center it, you know. Guy I mean, Osman, guy, you're at the tank. You're with the team. I mean, like, <laughs> no, I mean it's it's just I mean as I'm watching I was I wasn't I wasn't uh I wasn't second guessing it in real time. I wasn't regretting it. And I mean he makes that come on. I mean he makes that way more than 9 out of 10 times. So All right, a couple things. First of all, it doesn't matter what their win percentage was when he kicked it. The question is, what was the win percentage at second and 3? Yeah of the play before because if it went down 1% by Kirk Cousins running backwards to set it up, I got to think his win percentage was high 
at second three because again you don't lose anything by taking two shots at the end zone and kicking it in the fourth down anyway i'm okay if you're you exhaust all your opportunities and you have to kick i think I'm you can thinking. lose something i mean how, how much time have we spent on cousins and the okay. brain locks and the mind okay. melts okay. and and the other thing i'll say is i'm not trying to be sports radio guy we're like you gotta right. do this a hundred percent whatever it is situational i'll yeah. give you that but your situation here is you're playing in a day where three kicks have been missed. One's an extra point. Like your kickers missed one. The other kickers missed two. Mm-hmm. It's in London. There's something weird about the field. Take that into account. And like, why not just. That's your best point there. Can't dispute that. That is, You're right. The kickers were, were, were off the, were way that, off the whole game. That, 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 yeah. That, and that, I was sort of saving that as my trump card because I don't like to be Mr. One size fits all. You yeah. got to do that. You got to do that. If you have, you know, uh, Gustowski or whoever, you know, the money kickers over the years, and you're like, no, my guy's, you know, 99%, fine, I'm okay. If you're kicking on home field or in an arena, whatever, fine. But, like, man, you said, again, you saw an extra point missed. You saw your guy miss one. You saw their guy miss one. Although, uh, if you want to keep it situational, you can just, you can also reference the fact that the Redskins completely suck in the red zone all year. Brent, unfortunately, the Carolina Panthers are almost three hours away from me here in Raleigh, North Carolina. But I do have the Carolina Hurricanes, and I went to two games this weekend, and both times I used SeatGeek. I've got the SeatGeek app on my phone. It is by far the easiest way to shop for tickets. I could be anywhere with just a few taps. I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. So if I were in D.C., which I never know if I might be, I would use SeatGeek. To, uh, to find tickets for the Redskins game. Do you know if you'll make it up to a game this year? And if so, will you use SeatGeek, Brent? I don't know yet if I, if I will, but I can guarantee you that I will go the SeatGeek route if, it, if, right. I, if I get the opportunity. I'm more of a ticket buyer than you are, I know, because you're family man and you're stuck at home with your TV. The cool thing that I like about SeatGeek, and I mean this sincerely, is they sort of rate whether or not it's a good value or not. They don't just tell you the prices. A, they'll tell you the prices with all the fees tallied at first, so it won't be a shock when you go to check out that it's like more than you expected. You could look at the prices with fees, and they tell you this is a good deal or a bad deal based on you know other Uh, games at that venue so that's one of the cool things you can get at SeatGeek right now for the first time ever I present to you Burgundy Blogcast listeners use the promo code Burgundy at SeatGeek and get $20 rebate on tickets download the SeatGeek app go to the settings tab and click add a promo code enter the promo code Burgundy and SeatGeek will give you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase that's promo code Burgundy to use for vowels right there at SeatGeek. Use it for all your Washington Redskins ticket needs. SeatGeek. Download the app to your phone or tablet device. SeatGeek. Promo code Burgundy. Am I wrong to feel like they actually played a a really good game? Uh, Aside from maybe a couple possessions or two, the the, the Redskins, you know, again, even even as they come away thinking, man, we really should have come away with a win. They also come away thinking uh, if as long as the Bengals are pretty good and I think they are. Then, then that was a pretty good performance by the Redskins. I think overall pretty good. No, you're not wrong. I mean, the offense. 
did what it does, which is pump out a ton of yards over 500 and cousins through for over 400. Um, they're, they're money between the twenties and then they have a great deal of trouble and continued today to have so much trouble getting it into the end zone from close. I mean, they, they, even when they scored today, it had to be from far out. So like in the first yep. half, you know, they're just, I mean, they dominated the first half. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's getting to be kind of the same old thing, but, uh, you know, defense, yeah, not, not, not the best day for the defense. They gave up 27 pretty non fluky points. Um, you know, that's, they, they were, I think that Reds, the, the Redskins defense was kind of on borrowed time with that streak. They had been, you know, that, that four game win streak, they were kind of playing a little bit above themselves and they came back down to earth today against a decent offense. So overall, I mean, you know, pretty good game from the defense, but I mean, from the offense, but not enough points. And then, you know, kind of like defense aside from, you know, the couple key big plays in, in, in important um, situations, a couple of key sacks, and then uh, the turnover in um, in overtime, the fumble forced forced fumble and recovered fumble. Um, you know that was pretty huge. So they they the defense I think almost did enough, uh, but they didn't get outclassed. You know this was a three and four team facing a four and three team, two middling sort of classic parody type NFL teams, and they just kind of slugged it out. And then, you know <laughs> wouldn't you know it, they were they ended up equivalent. Do you know if uh, if the Matt Jones injury is a legit injury or if this was sort of a we got to call it an injury for roster reasons, but we wanted to give Fat Rob and uh, right and why I forget the other guy's name, even though I picked him up on fantasy. Chris Thompson. Chris, yeah. Thompson. I, I don't say, I don't have any inside info, but it was it was kind of convenient, wasn't it? No, no, no. I mean, I, I think that's a thing. I mean, we saw Jay Cutler the other week where it was like, he's hurt. Then the one of the quarterbacks got hurt. It was like, okay, right. he'll be active, you know. It was clearly so, a thing. I mean, it's been a thing with this team. I mean, they, they IR David Bruton immediately for a concussion because he was not playing well. Yeah. Uh, they IR Corey Lichtensteiger because I think they were anxious to get Spencer Long in there. I mean – I'm not. I'm not. A, I'm not trying to bring up anything nefarious. Looking right. into how they report injuries. I right. guess my question bigger is: Did they dis- decide to bench Matt Jones and yeah. go full time with these other two right now? And if so, let me. I guess follow up. What do you think about that? Um, I, guess- I, I think you know. I, I think there's something to his injury. I mean, he described there is. I don't know what. I don't even know what Im- imaging study was done. But I mean, presumably he had an MRI. He said there was some minor cartilage damage. He seems to have some sort of legitimate injury. <laughs> Um, I, I thought that I would have been happy for them to bench him, even if he hadn't been injured. And I thought that it was just, I thought, it, I thought that, uh, you know, that Kelly, Kelly validated the, the trust that they put in him. He looked really good. Um, all right. A couple other things. It was good to have Jordan Reed back. Yeah. I was going to claim that, that once again, it sounds like the coaching staff is listening to the podcast because I was saying that it would be good to see Jordan Reed and, uh, Vernon Davis in some two tight end sets. Mm-hmm. Now we saw both of them today, but I got to admit a lot of the times when I could look, it looked like it was one or the other. There were times where they were both on the field, but a lot of the good plays was like, mm-hmm. it was, I think they were trying not to wear Jordan Reed out as he was just coming back. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess I just wanted to give myself, I think you're right about that, but boy, they both looked awesome. They both yeah, went they, over 90 yards. Uh, they've got they've got weapons. You know the backfield is not you know probably an A level, but the receivers when you factor in tight ends look really good. And Jordan Reed 
looks like a mini Rob Gronkowski. When he does the like, he's one of those dudes who just rumbles and he. And I looked up their height. Like Rob Gronkowski's six six. Mm. Jordan Reed's only six two, so he can only be so big. You know what yeah. I mean? He's big, but he he can you know bowl through people every time. He's one of those guys. He falls four yards forward, and then his he makes touchdown his, today was and then he awesome. makes this like that where it's like, oh, also he can like kind of shake dudes or you know run past people. Um, that was amazing. I was also kudos. I thought they did, and it was unfortunate that he took a, a helmet helmet hit and had to sit. Mm-hmm. But to me, they did what you need to do with Deshaun Jackson. Is in the first half, it was one. It was a. Uh, low risk, high reward, and they end, it ended up getting picked, but it was fine because it was a third and long when it got picked. Yep. But the reward was they aired it out to Deshaun Jackson. I think, A, you make him happy. Yep. I think, B, you remind the defense that you could do that that keeps Jordan Reed open. And then, C, D-Jax might hit it or get a penalty. And then the second half, it wasn't quite just a full bomb, but I don't think you have to – anything in the air 30-plus yards to me counts. And they did at least one of those a half to Jackson – so I was very happy with that. Hey, so um, I got to tell you something. When you actually yeah. watch the Redskins game, you make really smart points. <laughs> hey, if they could, if the Redskins could play every game at nine thirty. Ugh, I know. I don't want any part of that. It. No. Although I've got to comment on the on the media stance on this. Kenny Albert and John Lynch were the example of two guys that you were talking about. Like anybody who's nitpicking anything they said, I'm like, I don't care. They were fine. They got the game done. Right. But. You probably didn't notice this wherever you're watching, but we got the end of that game cut off. I I got a lot of uh, I got a lot of te- angry text messages from and several here, people that here's, affected. Here's my only thing, and I'll bet you to life they fix it. Is I totally understand you have to protect home markets mm-hmm. because if I'm you know average Panthers fan or average Lions fan or whatever. And or if I'm my bar that's set at one o'clock for my home team to be playing or my, you know, Steelers fan club to be in town, you gotta have the game on at one o'clock. You promised it, it's gotta be on network. But you've got damn red zone and NFL network yep. channels right there. One of those needs to become full time dedicated to your spillover nine thirty and they spillover. weren't doing that. Yep. They were treating it like they were treating it on red zone like they would another one. It was like why are we comparing it to these other first quarter games? It should just be on full time. Do you know how many more? How many? How many total London games are there this season? I think that was the last one, and it was either three or maybe four. But mm-hmm. they've definitely gone up. And like I said, I I, I like it, and I can get used to it. Um, question I wanted to ask you: What was up with all of the defensive back penalties? Yeah. It, what were your thoughts on it in general? I'm glad you gave me a segue to Josh Norman because he had a really weird game and I had some strange interactions on Twitter about him. Um, so, yeah, there, there was there was an incredible number of, of defensive penalties called on the Redskins, specifically the defensive backs, and among those, at least four, possibly five of them, were either holds or illegal hands-to-the-face calls on Josh Norman. Who's you know a physical sort of a you know like likes to likes to you know um, likes to get his hands on guys at the line and that's a big part of his game. I, I mean, like for the life of him, after afterward he I mean he was livid and he went. I'm sure you saw some of what he said about the refs. He called yeah. one of them out by name and number and and you know I, I can't imagine that he was playing. I mean okay he's playing AJ Green who's really good and really tall. And so he's going to have to adjust his technique a little bit. But I can't imagine he played so differently from today. I think I read somewhere that he'd only had seven such penalties called on him in his whole career to this point. So it's like they were really 
zeroing in on him. And I, I, I think most of them look kind of legit, but he also sort of explained it as saying that like a lot of times he was trying to sort of jam A.J. Green inside the numbers and that for A.J. Green was doing something where he was like hitting Norman's hands up into his own face or something. I mean, I don't know. but Yeah, I saw him say that once or twice too, and I could definitely see that. Something where... weird is going on for that to keep happening, you know? Now, yeah, I could see that if, if as a D-back, if if your your goal is to is to to crowd the guy as much as possible, you're you're trying to make him uncomfortable. Yeah. And then as a receiver, it's almost like you know you can get a free play because you're just starting there at the line of scrimmage. If you hit his elbow strong while he's raising his fingers near your face, yeah. It's it's sort of like in basketball right now. Basketball refs have to decipher like when guys do a, a sweep through, you know, where 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 the the defender is sort of like reaching up in your space. And uh-huh. you just sort of rake the ball through and hit his arm kind of yeah. thing. I mean, it's like, ordinarily, uh, I would think there's no way the, the receiver's doing that to try and draw that flag. But when he's already got three or four on him, I mean, he, he may very well have been. I agree with that, too. But I also think it's a little bit on Norman to adjust. Now, right. one thing I think, and, and I feel like I saw this last year with Norman and Tom or two that I'm okay with, especially if you're a smart player, right? And if you know you got A.J. Green – and either maybe if you know he's just, you know, he's he's on a, a hot streak coming into the game, you know he's awesome or whatever, or if he's, like, caught his first couple on you, I'm okay with just, like, just like guarding a, a great shooter in basketball where one time, not not an intentional foul like like a, a, a gross foul, but, like, you go into a play saying, man, next time he goes up, I, I'm going to, you know, foul him or knock him, make him uncomfortable yeah. so that he thinks the next three times that right. he goes up and I get close – that's mm-hmm. in his mind. Yeah, I'm okay with on first down. Right, right, right. Quarterback giving up a five yard penalty that's an automatic first down. You totally know what I mean? agree. Yep. So I'm okay with you messing with his space or hitting him in his throat or his face one time, as as sort of bad as that sounds. Not not egregious and not trying to hurt a guy, but I'm okay with. It's no different than a pitcher throwing intentionally off the plate inside on a guy that's crowded. I think it's the same. I think the same type of stuff, but it got a little out of hand, and I'm with you. I'm not totally willing to point the finger at Norman, but it seemed to get to a point where he needed to adjust. Well, there's a couple things I got to get off my chest. Uh, Josh Norman has been, if not the best, then one of the two or three best Redskins this year, and he has completely earned what the, the money he's made to this point, that giant contract. He has been terrific. He has changed, he has made it an, an, a key influence on every game. And he's coming off a totally legit concussion where he was fully knocked out. And that was seven days ago. And even before that, he was dealing with this pretty severely sprained wrist and wearing a brace and all that. Okay? And, that I mean, halfway through the game when A.J. Green still had hardly done anything. I mean, Norman had racked up a few penalties but you know green was hardly having his way and i'm seeing all this garbage in my mentions about norman getting burned and the penalties and he's a bum and he's overpaid i mean this was some of the stupidest stuff like let's just please do away with that okay people secondly i mean yeah all right second half aj started to get his i think he ended up with nine catches and he went well over a hundred um and and Norman did have there was the one play where he got you know he got beat and he did he did interfere with Green and he caught it anyway so it was a forty some maybe fifty yard completion okay on that one but there's a lot of plays on Josh with Josh Norman um, 
and I think we've talked about this a little bit, but like he often looks like he's beat, but the pass does not result in a completion. And a lot of people seem to want to be like, oh, well, you know, you know, he he was beat, but you know, some you know, insert stupid excuse here. But that's Josh Norman's game. He's not a blazing fast guy, and and he tends to you know sometimes for one thing he baits quarterbacks, but he also uses the sideline, he uses recovery, and he uses incredibly long arms to make plays like when the ball's in the air. So like I'm really sick of hearing this ticky tack stuff about how you know the guy got behind him or whatever. I mean let's let's just evaluate jo- Josh Norman on the yardage that is you know that he concedes, but. I didn't feel like, I mean, he was racking up these kind of bizarre penalties in a strange pattern, but I did not feel like he was wildly outclassed today. I mean, I'll give Green the victory in their head-to-head matchup, but, you know, going into the second half, I think Norman had done a pretty darn good job. Sounds like something you maybe need to do a a, a midweek bumper on this week, Brent. Instead of <laughs> straight on. Do you feel like I'm cheating on the broadcast when I do a solo uh, bumper? I, it's funny. It's like you sensed what I was writing to myself. My only <laughs> question would be, especially on with with the the morning game. Did you put out a bumper since the game? But but in between the time the game ended and the time we recorded the podcast. No, no, I've not. Like, I've not done a bumper today. All right, that would feel like cheating. I'm, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I've listened to your bumpers. They're dry. They're flat. I mean, if you if you really want nitty-gritty, in-depth Redskins analysis with no humor or no, you know, airheadish, boyish charm, then that's fine. Like, you'll love the bumpers, you know? But no, it, as long as you're not doing them between game time and our recording, then, then I'm secure in our... Uh, our broadcast relationship. Hey, I got to tell you, when I publish a bumper, I only think of you. <laughs> now, now I am a little disturbed by it for a different reason. No, I think uh, you st- you keep talking about this. Don't fall victim. I don't like sports media guys that do this. And as the numbers go up for both Burgundy Blog and Burgundy Blogcast, clearly you're falling trapped to the same things. Don't be my mentions guy. My mentions blowing up. My mentions. Look, mm, look mm, mm. if you're a media guy, you're just going to attract the hot take specialists. Okay. Yeah. Don't don't succumb to thinking that that's necessarily what the people are saying. But no, it's it's okay. You, Fair you, enough. You're a smart man. You know how to gauge that stuff. But but it is interesting, and I'll look forward to a a dry, humorless, but logical <laughs> uh, Josh Norman bumper this week. <laughs> assignment i actually you'd be amazed the notes that i was taking down i was just crushing it i'm actually surprised this is going to be i'm giving you an assignment for the bye week for next week Uh, the redskins are four three and one not quite as good as maybe they want to be especially when they were without a four game win streak but at, from the beginning of the season, it's probably about what you'd expect. At the well, moment. I was thinking about this. I'm pretty sure four, three, and one is mathematically as close as possible to being exactly on pace with my prediction of nine and seven. That's <laughs> so very, very good. Uh, we'll pat you on the back. Uh, in the the ongoing subject of Kirk Cousins, I started making a list of every team. Or slash every team starting quarterback. I mean, some, it's like the Browns. It's like, I don't even know who your starting quarterback is, but right. your quarterback situation. And like, whose is better? Uh, you know, 
inarguably better, inarguably worse, yeah. or you know, arguable with with the Redskins and Cousins. So that's going to sort of be the assignment. The interesting thing is there's so many different ways to slice it. Do you factor in age? Do you factor you, you mm, know? What I mean? Yeah. Drew Brees is obviously a better you know quarterback than Kirk Cousins. Right. But if I thought I was stuck with one for seven years, it's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to do with Drew Brees after two years, you know? Um, so there's a lot of different ways to slice it, and maybe we'll take some fun. So ways. my assignment is to what? Rank him? Rank his yeah, rank the Redskins quarterback and, situation, and I may throw some ranking. I may throw some some twists at you at the live recording of the blog that shake your rankings up. But come with that subject in mind. Right on. Uh, okay. Of, of who you think's like better? Maybe maybe I, I'll throw some where I say I'd say this guy's arguable, and you'll say no way. I'd much rather have yeah. it. So it'll be interesting to see what we take on that. All right, let's move on to. The ever popular Brent's notes uh, subject uh, portion of the broadcast, excuse me, and we'll see what we've already covered and what we may not have covered. Uh, second quarter, fourth and one fail. Yeah, that's when when Gruden decided to go for it um, in the red zone uh, there in the first half, and they did not. They were unsuccessful. They didn't convert. They did a they did kind of a slow developing run play to Robert Kelly. I, I didn't I, I didn't mind the decision to go for it. The play call. Seemed a little off. He kind of slipped. I think that was part of it. But um, yeah, I thought it was a I thought it was a nice aggressive move to go for it, but it didn't work. Tight end or TEs rolling, cuz dealing. That's how they see the tight ends. They were good and three yeah. for three on third down on the first drive. That's yep. one make. But yeah, looking good. Anything particular there? No, no. Just like we said. I mean, I think that's his breadbasket right now is the tight ends yeah. in the middle of the field. Dominating top time nice. of possession. Yep, not punching in again, right? Yeah. 26 hold negates 24 FF. This was to a- point out that Josh Norman did have a, a potentially game-changing play that um, that that didn't, you know, he he forced a fumble that on on a play that that came back for kind of a questionable holding penalty on uh, Bashad Breeland. 92 sack sin MFG. That was a, that was the key um, Chris Baker sack that pushed. Cincinnati back forced a long field goal that their guy missed. So Baker's had a couple of really nicely timed sacks this year. Cuz arm punt. I think we talked about that. That was yep. the Deshaun Jackson air it out. So no pro I had no problem with that. Yep. Twenty four dropped pick times two. Yeah, that was Norman. He had a couple it's hard to get mad at a defensive back when he doesn't catch uh, a pass. It's not their job. And I'm also thinking mm-hmm. half the times we don't even know. They're looking at somebody else and they may not have picked up the ball until a second before, but man, a couple right. of those hit. The and man. again, coming off the concussion and an injured wrist, I think it's a little bit a little bit picky to be ripping him for not, you know, intercepting those. I'm still with you on uh, I would I would have tried to keep him out. I don't know what goes on in those decisions, but right. with a week coming out, like one week for two, I it, thought exactly anybody else. Eifert TD Cincinnati MXP. Is this anything more than you trying to prove yourself smart by saying you were worried about Eifert? It's 100 percent what that is. All right, uh, flat second half. Yeah. I thought that the Redskins just came out looking flat in the second half. I thought it was going to do them in. They went down 20 to 10. They just um, they really sucked in the third quarter. Yep, the Bengals definitely had the momentum. Dime to 11. Really hit. nice, really nice deep pass. Cousins threw to uh, Deshaun Jackson. Then he got popped in the side of the head with no flag. We talked about that. What did you think? Did you think it was a dirty hit? I, I don't, you know, no, I don't think he was trying to hurt him. But I, I think, I, I, I mean, I've seen much less flagged this year. Yeah. It wasn't quite defenseless receiver. It was a little bit later than, like, him just having landed. So it was yeah. – 
it was interesting. And, and it was one that I don't think, I think this matters. I don't think they like qu- quite saw it the first time, how bad it was. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah. Norman weird game. Uh, I think we've discussed, yep. uh, 80 first down versus blitz. Uh, that was what I thought was probably cousins best play of the game in the fourth oh, quarter. Yes. Yeah. He, yeah. They, they, um, um, they brought five or six guys and and he picked it up quickly and got that off and threw an awesome first down pass to uh, or you know converted converted a first down to uh, Crowder there. I really love that. And then Crowder made it an even bigger play. He made it into yeah. like five or ten extra yards. You know who Crowder reminds me of seriously, and it, it's hard to say this because they're probably totally different guys in character. But he plays a lot like him, and I'll bet he'll play even more like him as he gets more in the league. He, he reminds me of Steve Smith. Oh yeah, um, like that. That type of play was a Steve yeah. type play, like yeah. coming back to a ball and then catching it and kind of have an idea of a move you're going to make. And he's got that that kick return ability. Yeah. Um, That's pretty high praise, just, man. If he turned into, I mean, gosh, Steve Smith, what I would kill to root for a guy like that for ten years. Uh, yeah, obviously. And Steve, but Steve Smith was also a guy who came out of Utah was was not like a slam dunk, you know, kind of surprised the people. And how many touchdowns does Crowder have you know, this season? Six. Yeah. Uh, I think it might only be four, At least five. but. Yeah. Or I thought it was at least five. Anyway, um, thirty-six big sack end regulation. That's Cravens who uh, who contributed to a big play yeah. at the end there to force overtime. He's making a ton of big plays at the end of games. Yep. Overtime sack out of field goal range. I remember that. Yep. Um, hop. A R U F. Are you freaking kidding me? I yes. Believe. Yes. Which, uh, what's that? Uh, oh, hop gets back missing the kick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Fumble, and then absolutely. I, I had this written down in my notes. That's right, baby. My notes today. <laughs> Terrible pass interference call. Um, the the Reds, who was it on Crowder or Garcon? The, it was called on Garcon. I tweeted immediately that I thought it was one of the worst calls I've ever seen. Maybe that was a little bit impulsive, but, I mean, when you, when you factor in how dumb it was and how important it was given the situation. I mean, it, his, that, that pass, that, that, that reception resulted in the Redskins already with plenty of time left being basically in fringe field goal range already. And it, and it basically eliminated the threat. So, I mean, that, that was just, I'd feel worse for him. No, if I knew that they wouldn't have just at that point taken a knee and kicked the field goal anyway, <laughs> that they would have blown. But no, it's absolutely a terrible call. Uh, if if I'm playing total devil's advocate, you could see why the ref was deceived into it. Right. Like Arson sort of extended an arm as he went the other direction, but I do not think it was a push off. And clearly, right. the guy was just drifting to the other guy. So that's the only defense I'll make. Is you could see. Why the ref blew it, but right. I think he blew that call. Right. Um, and I believe that is Brent's notes. That's it. Uh, blown OPI. That ends it. Yeah. Um, all right. So four, three, and one. We've got four teams now with a tie, I believe, um, yeah. which makes it just miserable on anybody who has to uh, write stats and, and like do, <laughs> do graphics. Anybody else? I guarantee you, all the people that work for Fox and CBS are like, damn it, we've got to have a tie in all our, like, graphics now, you know? <laughs> things are just simple. It's like, put in the W. Justify the right, justify right. Exactly, exactly. And then it gets even worse when it comes to tiebreaker time. Do you know how miserable this becomes? Oh, yeah. Last week it's like, 
oh yeah, or tie, like as if two teams are going to tie, you know. Um, but that amazingly, we we barely even talked about the implications, or just sort of the overall feeling of actually tying, as as opposed to winning or losing the game. I I, I definitely, I think it seems pretty clear. All the players felt that this landed somewhere closer to loss than win. Yeah. I think with the Redskins being a team that everyone knows, if they were going to make it into the playoffs, it was definitely going to be as a five or six, and just barely by one game. So it feels like. They needed that win yep. a lot more than they needed to avoid that loss, and I, I think it was—it's just very deflating. No, it was. As we said, I mean, even though there were good good things happening, um, it's just tough. And I think they also had the—well, they had the ball last, and then they had the last right. real chance to end the game with that with that one field goal. I think right. that makes it feel like. A loss overall. So um, we will do this again in the bye week where we'll have some time to – we know it won't be uh, – it'll be two weeks in a row without a loss or a win. That'll be kind of odd. <laughs> um, but we'll, we'll figure out some other stuff to talk about. Maybe look around the division as I watch the uh, the Eagles and Cowboys play right now. Eagles leading that one, so that could tighten the division race up even more. That would be, I guess, good for the Redskins. And then, like I said, we'll talk about where Kirk Cousins hits in the quarterback universe. Um, for this edition of the Burgundy Blogcast and for Brent, I am Sports Channel 8's Hayes Permar. I was being quiet so you could say something like bye or whatever. No, I didn't want to mess it up again. All right, okay. I guess that's better. nothing is better than, than messed up. But... Mm-hmm.